if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Are you ready to go? What an unbelievable week we have in front of us. And thanks so much for getting it started now at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Monday, the 28th morning of the month of September in the year of our Lord 2020. Tomorrow, they'll go toe-to-toe, face-to-face, nose-to-nose, kind of, sort of, but they're not going to touch one another. They're not even going to elbow bump when they get together. But the president, first presidential debate is coming to you live from Cleveland, Ohio tomorrow. President Trump and Joe Biden, yes, they managed to drag Biden out of his basement. He is in Cleveland. He is going to actually participate in this thing. I know a lot of people are expecting him to come down with a quick case of COVID, the way Mike uh, uh, DeWine did when President Trump came last month. Uh, But um, no, Joe Biden's going to be there, and the expectations could not be set any lower for him. Therefore, it should be very easy for him to exceed them. Set a low bar, then cheer wildly when he steps over it. That is kind of where it is right now. So we're looking forward to the debate. President Trump has got a lot of stuff he's going to have to explain. Uh, certainly, you know, the, the knives are going to be out for him. Chris Wallace is going to be the moderator, as you know. Chris Wallace spent a full hour on Fox News Sunday with Donald Trump just about a month ago and carved him. He really, really went after him. President Trump stood there and took it, uh, answered the questions the best he could, but most importantly, he answered the questions. Chris Wallace even commended the president, despite his tough questioning, thanked him for uh, answering every question and not dodging. He was there. He answered questions. Chris Wallace pointed out at that time, by the way, we have extended the same offer to Joe Biden. Joe Biden would never submit to a full one hour of literal, you know, cross-examination, attorney-style, courtroom-style, the way President Trump did. And that says a lot to me. Now that Chris Wallace is going to have his chance at Joe Biden, the question becomes, will he come for Biden on the debate stage as hard as he came for President Trump? Um, in that one-hour Fox News Sunday interview. Those Sunday morning news uh, uh, political interviews obviously are very important, uh, very closely watched, and uh, the debate, of course, is going to be even closer than that. The topics are in. President Trump and Joe Biden's records are going to be first up. 
Uh, and, and what that means is, is anybody's guess, I suppose. How is Chris Wallace going to frame that about Joe Biden's record? 47 years in, in uh, Washington, D.C., in some capacity or another, as a senator or a vice president. And what has he done? Specifically, what has he done? I'd like to, I'd like to really ask about that record. President Trump only has a four-year record in Washington, and I think it looks pretty doggone good. But how will it be framed by Chris Wallace? I don't know. Supreme Court is going to be the second topic, uh, and that, of course, is what we're going to get into in just a few moments here. Uh, President Trump wants Amy Coney Barrett to be confirmed before the election. The left is doing everything they can to stop it, including, since they don't have the votes to stop it, threats of retaliation and revenge. Straight up mafia-like tactics from the Democrat Party. If we win the Senate in November, you're going to pay for putting Amy Coney Barrett on that court. You're go- we're going to pack the court. We are going to get rid of the Electoral College. We're going to make Puerto Rico and as many other American territories as we can states so that we can expand our uh, Senate majority with uh, individuals from those, sta- from those uh, territories. Um, it's huge, and we're going to get into it coming up. Uh, coronavirus and the response to it is going to be on the uh, table. It'll be very interesting to hear how the president responds to that and what Joe Biden's answer will be, considering the fact that shortly after the coronavirus got really, really you know, going and the pandemic was, was widespread, uh, he condemned and criticized President Trump's response to it. And then when asked for a plan, he and his team came up with a plan that was everything President Trump had already done. Will Chris Wallace call him out for that? Doubtful. But it's something we're going to have to watch. The economy, of course, is a huge, huge uh, edge, <coughs> excuse me, I think, in polling for President Trump and also for his, uh, uh, his numbers, quite frankly. For the you know, pre-pandemic, the country's economy was growing like gangbusters, and uh, everybody had more money in their pockets, higher wages, lower taxes. Uh, GDP was uh, expanding, uh, and we all know the story. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. How will that be covered by Wallace? Race and violence in America will be very interesting. It will be very interesting. Joe Biden, will he repeat the very fine people Charlottesville lie on stage face-to-face with the President of the United States? Will he repeat that lie knowing it's been debunked? No, 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 knowing it's been uh, completely proven to be uh, made, up, excuse me, made up and fabricated? Will he do that? Uh, we will see. How will the president respond? Will he remind everybody what Joe Biden said? That if you don't vote for Biden, you ain't black. I hope all of black America is watching and listening. I hope all of black America is listening. Joe Biden, by the way, thinks you are all beholden to him. You must vote for him in order to approve your, uh, to, um, uh, to validate your blackness. Because remember, you don't get to think for yourself. I hope this is something President Trump brings up. And if he doesn't, I hope, quite frankly, I hope that uh, Chris Wallace does. Joe Biden thinks all black people think alike. You, you, if you're black and American, you do not have the benefit of free will, free thought, independent ideas. You must think like every other black person does. And he admitted that's what he really believes they, they, they're, they're like, too. He literally... What you all know, but most people don't know, unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. Unlike the African-Americans, Latinos have incredibly different ideas and attitudes. The black community all thinks alike. 
If that doesn't cost him 15 points in the African-American vote, then something seriously wrong is going on here. It should. And then finally, the integrity of the election is going to be on the topic list tomorrow for uh, the first presidential debate in Cleveland as well. And, of course, that means mail-in voting. And will you accept? And you can, you can guarantee you this. You don't have to be a, a political scholar to know this. I guarantee you he is going to ask Joe Biden and Donald Trump both to take a pledge, an oath, that they will respect the outcome of the election. They will respect the outcome of the vote and not file a lawsuit to stop it and have it overturned. And, of course, President Trump is not going to do that because of the mail-in voting and plenty of examples of voter fraud. And I've got more, by the way, that haven't even hit the news yet today. A voter fraud or voter, you know, uh, 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 vote integrity being, being thrown out the window, and I'm talking about ballots being discarded, I'm talking about mailers being thrown away, I'm talking about thousands and thousands of votes not being counted, I'm talking about all of these things. It really leads, you know, begs the question, will this election and its outcome be legitimate? And before anybody says anything about Donald Trump saying, well, we'll see if I, I accept the results of the election and will voluntarily and willfully leave the White House, He keeps saying, we'll see, and that means we'll see what happens and whether or not it really is something that can be trusted. Uh, It should be, everyone should be reminded that Hillary Clinton told Joe Biden publicly just about a month and a half ago that he should not concede the election under any circumstances. In other words, don't accept the results if you lose. And Joe Biden has never disavowed that. Joe Biden has never said, well, you know, the former secretary has uh, her opinion on it, but I don't share that. No, 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 no. It is just as much in play for him to challenge the results of the election as it could be or would be for Donald Trump. So, so much to get into this morning. We're going to start with Amy Coney Barrett. By the way, we've got guests coming up, big ones at 948, Congressman Jim Jordan for his Monday visit. Then at 1010, we're going to Team Trump, one of the senior advisors to the Trump-Pence campaign. Katrina Pearson is going to be with us, with us rather. At 1010, we're going to be previewing the debate and, yes, discussing the onslaught of attacks against Amy Coney Barrett. So much for supporting women, so much for for uh, equality, so much for feminism, so much for uh, supporting working mothers. All of those things used to be talking points for the Democrat Party, all of them, because they knew women's votes mattered so much, not because they actually cared about women. But all of this stuff is out the window now. Now this woman who's juggling being a mother to seven kids, including two adopted kids. By the way, two adopted kids of color. Uh, this woman juggling that with uh, working as, as, as a uh, uh, judge, an appellate court, court judge, and potentially as a Supreme Court justice. Well, that's just terrible. That's just horrible. I mean, how dare anybody think she can possibly do the job when she's got those seven kids at home? And who has seven kids anyway? What a nut. They literally called her a nut. We're going to get into all of that. Uh, Jim Jordan and Katrina Pearson are the guests. You know the topics. And, of course, you know the phone number, 216-901-0945, Join us on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 921, 
The Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for being with us. I'm going to give you something uh, a little bit off the uh, beaten path here real quick. Uh, because it's so aggravating and so frustrating, and I, I experienced it in person, and um, and I'm going to get your thoughts on it. Um, I attended a high school football game at Lakewood High School on Friday, and to say that the pregame ceremony was interesting is an understatement. To say that the pregame ceremony was disturbing is an understatement. To say that it was shocking in its existence is also an understatement. We were asked to stand for the playing of the Lakewood High School alma mater, which, of course, everyone did respectfully and no problem. Then we were asked to remain standing as the band played another song. And they played the song for probably about 30 seconds or so before the PA announcer got on and told us what it was. And then the PA announcer proceeded to tell us why it was. What the Lakewood High School Band was asked to play, those kids, was the Black National Anthem, a song called Lift Every Voice and Sing. This is being done at National Football League stadiums as well, as you probably know by now. You probably also know by now this is a very, very difficult and divisive uh, thing to do, considering we don't have two nations. We don't have a white nation and a black nation. We have a united nation. We have a single nation for all peoples in which all are equal. And the, the national anthem of that nation is the Star-Spangled Banner by Francis Scott Key, period. Yet we were told that there are two Americas and therefore two anthems in this uh, by the playing of this song, which then again, which again, the band at uh, Lakewood was asked to play. And then as they were in their final 10, 15 seconds of their anthem, yeah, maybe about another 30 seconds of their black national anthem called Lift Every Voice and Sing, the PA announcer at Lakewood High School wanted everyone in that stadium to know that the United States of America is racist that we live in a racist society, and that we are all part of it. We are all to blame for it. Essentially, Lakewood High School wanted every kid to know, every fan to know, every player to know that this country is racist, and they want all of the players and fans to acknowledge it. I have a recording of what was played and stated through the public address system at the stadium at Lakewood. And I would like you to hear it. And I want to get, I just want to get your reaction to it. I guess that's the best way to say it. I want to get your reaction to it. My reaction was one of, well, I think I've pretty much made that clear. But you can go ahead and give me yours. 216-901-0945. This is what we were subjected to at a high school football game. As the band plays, lift every voice and sing. Let us pause and reflect. On the inequalities that our nation has faced since its beginning. The deaths of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Tamir Rice, among others, remind us of the systemic racism that persists across so many of our nation's institutions and society as a whole. By acknowledging, discussing, and taking action to address these inequalities, Lakewood City Schools to be an agent of change, not only in our community, but 
in the world. We must all take a stand against racism. Let this be the moment when our children someday look back and say, this is when we stood together for change. That was the pregame speech about the evil, racist, systemically racist country in which we all live. That was played at Lakewood High School on Friday night, immediately preceding the national anthem. The actual national anthem. The only national anthem. Not the white national anthem, because no such thing exists. The national anthem, period. Um, I would very much like to get your reactions. I do know that many, many, many people are taking this to the Lakewood Board of Education and demanding answers and apologies for bringing their woke politics onto the football field at a high school game, making a bunch of kids sit there and listen to the country that they love be trashed by woke Lakewood uh, City Schools personnel. Um, it demands answers, and I would love to hear yours. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five, triple eight two eight one eleven ten. All right. Uh, having said that, big story of the day: the uh, confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett is going to be a very nasty one, uh, as she has been nominated by President Trump, and he says it still needs to get done by the time the election happens. Do you anticipate to have her confirmed before the election? Uh, I would like to. I would say we have plenty of time. Just in case your next question would be, well, you know, should you wait? They wouldn't wait, number one. And importantly, we have a lot of time. You know, we also could go after. We have a tremendous amount of time. And it's been done many times before this. Well, you know, it's a, an election year. Um, no, I think we're going to have it done easily before the election. I think it would be nice to do, get it out of the way. It's so important, a decision. I think it's important. We, we're going to try to have it done quickly and before the election. I want it done quickly and before the election as well, which is why I'm wondering why we are waiting almost two full weeks to have the Senate confirmation hearing start in the judiciary. Uh, They're looking at October 12th to start this thing. Today is September 28th. Why not October 4th? Why not October 1st? Why not this week? Why not get the ball rolling? We know how it's going to play out. Democrats are going to do everything they can to attack and impugn the character and the record and the ideas and the ideology and the qualifications of Amy Coney Barrett. And Republicans are going to defend her, and then they're going to vote, and it'll be on strict party lines, with the exception maybe, maybe, of Susan Collins not voting for uh, Amy Coney Barrett to be confirmed, and Joe Manchin, the Democrat, voting for her to be confirmed, which evens it all out again. And then she's going to become uh, a Supreme Court Associate Justice. We know how this is going to play out, why they're waiting until October 12th. I don't know. It just gives the left another 14 days to find more dirt and more gunk to throw at Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, I don't know. I don't understand that. I don't like it. I'm going to ask Jim Jordan why we're waiting until October 12th to start this thing. Not that he can answer for the Senate. He, of course, is on the House side. But uh, I really want somebody to give us an idea and an example of, uh, of why they are waiting. Uh, it shouldn't be that difficult, by the way, as Wolf Blitzer of CNN, that's right, CNN points out, Amy Coney Barrett had bipartisan support already. And she did have bipartisan support in her confirmation for the 7th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. That's a big deal. 
bipartisan support. Want to know why? Because even liberals on in the judiciary knew that she was supremely qualified. Whether they liked her ideology or not is irrelevant. She was supremely qualified. And then she has been just a brilliant jurist ever since. How do we know that? Well, ask her colleagues on the right and the left, including... Well, not rather including, but uh, just listen to, once again, CNN make that point. Uh, You know, for Amy Coney Barrett, uh, one of the things about her is that I think we will find a lot of her uh, colleagues in the legal profession, whether they are on the left or on the right, coming forward to speak to her intellect and to her um, ability to do the job. And that's all that is supposed to matter in a Supreme Court advice and consent situation for a a, um, uh, uh, justice uh, appointment. Can she or he do the job? Are they qualified and does their history indicate they're qualified to do this job? Clearly she is. The ideology should be set aside. But, of course, we know that's not how the left operates. i got much more on this. And, of course, going to your phone calls coming up after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420, The Answer. 935 now. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks so much for being with us. So, yeah, this was an interesting way to be greeted at a high school football game this past Friday night. The deaths of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Tamir Rice, among others, remind us of the systemic racism that persists across so many of our nation's institutions and society as a whole. And, you know, if this is what they're forcing people to listen to at football games, I wonder and can only imagine and cringe at what they are forcing the kids to learn inside Lakewood City Schools. That was the Lakewood uh, High School's football game on Friday. America's racist. And, you know, what's very interesting is the fact that the first two names of the three names they cited, quote, among others, in neither case has race ever been not completely identified as playing a role in the altercations that the individuals had with police. Not completely, but but not even tangentially, not even a little bit, not even on the, on the fringes. The death of George Floyd, as horrific as it was, that touched off all of these riots... In no way, shape, or form has it ever been conclusively proven or, like I said, even alleged that his race played anything to do or had anything to do with the altercation he had with the officers, including Derek Chauvin, the individual on on trial for murder now, rather, for kneeling on him. Nothing in Derek Chauvin's past, no statements made at the scene, nothing racial in origin at all. It's just the fact that the individual... Who was who was uh, who died in this circumstance? And I'm going to phrase it that way: Who died in this circumstance? Because I'm not going to call it a murder. We do not know the facts of the case. We do know that different autopsy reports have been uh, uh, conducted, and in those medical examinations, at least one of the two declared that this man died of an overdose of uh, a fentanyl, among other drugs, in his system and was complaining that he couldn't breathe, 
as early as the time they were trying to put him in the back of the car, let alone at the time that he was on the ground and that they, that uh, Chauvin kneeled on him. Uh, never. I mean, terrible conduct by this officer? Probably. Racist in nature? In no way, shape, or form? Proven. And in the Breonna Taylor case, same thing. There was a search warrant. The color of the people on the inside of the house was irrelevant to the story. Irrelevant. There was a search warrant because Brianna Taylor was involved in a drug ring with her ex-boyfriend. Her home and car were listed on a uh, search warrant. Given by a judge, the officers were indeed going to execute that search warrant. That's it. Then when they got shot at and shot back, it was a terrible, tragic, horrific situation to see a young woman in her 20s uh, you know, being hit in the crossfire as officers returned fire at the individual who fired at them. But in no way, shape, or form has race been an issue in this. I mean, legitimately, not being, you know, being made an issue by BLM, et cetera, of course. But the facts don't matter. In the Tamir Rice case, we've litigated on the air for, obviously, the last two or three years. Um, it's a terrible tragedy again, but once again. The race of the individual was in no way, shape, or form proven to be a factor in the terrible outcome of the situation. But yet, students, players, fans, just so you know, you are a racist country. The deaths of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Tamir Rice, among others, remind us of the systemic racism that persists across so many of our nation's institutions and society as a whole. How do you feel about that? being played and stated and uh, rehearsed and presented at a high school football game. I thought it was bad enough that the National Football League went woke and fans who are there to enjoy football are subjected to, and on TV, subjected to the politics of wokeness. And now it's not even at the professional level anymore. It's not just at the professional level anymore. Now at places like Lakewood, they're dragging you through it at high school games. Um, John in Chardon wants to talk about this on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello, John. Go yeah. Uh, Bob, aside from the racist announcement on your game Friday night, I assume the reason you and the wife were at the uh, Lake Lakewood game was because your son was on the field of play. Well, we were all there to watch the kids play football. Yes, that's it. That's why everybody was there in both sides of the uh, stadium stands. We're there to watch football and nothing more. Yeah, of course. But, uh, of course, that means Lakewood's opponent had to be Elyria Catholic. Now, my my first question is, who, who won the game? Oh, it, it, it's irrelevant to the story here. Larry Catholic won the game, but that's kind of irrelevant to the well, story. Hurrah, the story is what they're hurrah. doing. Yeah, what they're doing to drag even high school athletes and high school students, young, young, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18-year-old kids, depending whether you're a freshman or a senior, dragged through that when all they care about is getting the game underway and playing football. This is not about race. It's not about politics. It's not about movements. It's not about insurrection in the country, and yet that's what they Objected them to. That's where I try to keep the focus, John. Yeah, well, I guess I'm a little bit off focus today. <laughs> but, 
No, it's okay. I will tell it's you all right. I mean, yeah, but yeah, the, yeah. Lear Catholic won the game. Uh, it was it was it was a nice win, thirty nine to seven. Fantastic, super great. But yeah. you should have seen the 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 anger on the faces of so many people that I saw, including I believe on the other side. And I couldn't see faces up close, but I did see body movements and uh, you know and gestic- gesticulations where people were not uh, not everybody on the home side was thrilled with what the home team was doing in this presentation. Because look, you well, know. Thanks for the call, John. That's all right. Thanks for the call, John. Let me. I want to point this out too, because it's obvious what I'm about to point out it is the the kids on that field could care less about that stuff. The black kids and the white kids and the Latino kids and any other ethnic makeups you might have had on the field, they all are American citizens and they are all enjoying the glory of of freedom and liberty because of the flag and the anthem that was going to be presented there. And everybody was fine with that. But then to divide us up and for the school district to give that presentation that says, by the way, white people, you benefit from a systemically racist country that you, black people, are victimized by. And we're going to do everything we can to stop that. That's what all of these kids were told when they were trying to play a football game. And by the way, because of that disparity in the eyes of the school district, we're going to play the black national anthem because the black people apparently have a separate nation. and you can't Because you, you can't have a separate national anthem unless you are a separate nation. So intentional segregation being pushed and promoted by a public high school system in Ohio is what we're dealing with here. It's nothing less than that. Lakewood City Schools is promoting segregation and separation up between the races. Here's the black national anthem, lift every voice and sing. And oh, by the way, while it's playing, being played by our students who were forced to learn and perform that, by the way, we're going to read a statement over the speakers telling everybody how racist this country is. How do you think, how do they think that makes white students and athletes and fans feel as they sit here and be told again that you White America are stomping on the rights of black America in a systemically racist country, and you are going to be held to, to account for that. How do you think that makes us feel, especially when we're sitting there, you know, having absolutely no thoughts whatsoever before a football game about racial oppression or perceived racial oppression? How many people do you think got their gear? Their, their school shirts and school hats and the p- buttons of their f- kids on their chests and their stadium chairs. How many you think went there ready to argue and discuss and debate and dispute the uh, uh, allegations of systemic racism, is, racism in America? I would submit to you, nobody. They came there ready to watch a football game and to cheer on their kids. But that was forced down their throat by Lakewood City Schools. And I think some answers are required as to why. 216-901-0945. Congressman Jim Jordan joins me next. AM 1420 The Answer. All right, 9.50 now. We continue on AM 1420 The Answer. Let's uh, waste no time. Bring Congressman Jim Jordan on for his regular Monday visit. Congressman, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine, Bob. How are you doing? 
I'm doing well. Um, I'm doing well. Um, I, I got to tell you, though, I'm I'm just I'm I'm beyond disgusted uh, with your colleagues on the other side of the proverbial aisle with what they are doing already. They started doing this, of course, before the Saturday announcement of Amy Coney Barrett yep. uh, as the new Supreme Court nominee. What they have done to savage her already is uh, is terrible. And now once she has been named, or now that yep. she has been named, it has only been ramped up. And, Congressman, why are we giving them 14? I know you're not in the Senate. You don't make these calls. But why are we giving them 14 yep. more days to dig up more stuff to throw, more gunk to throw at Amy yeah, Coney Barrett? Why are we starting on October 12th instead of October 3rd? How about, how about, how about yeah. October? first for crying out loud yeah i, I mean i don't know that uh the, the senate makes uh, those decisions but you're right I, I don't think though the american people take to take to this uh, attack that that's gonna uh gonna unfold uh you know we know what happened when when they went after mr kavanaugh with a bunch of lies and uh you know here you got a brilliant scholar mother i think of like seven children a couple of adopted a wonderful family wonderful person by all accounts and yet because she's not a liberal the left is going to attack her and so uh but I don't know what I've seen thus far. Strikes me as she's a person who can hold her own, and she'll be just uh, she'll be just fine as we move through this confirmation process. You know, I know there's there's no real answer to this, Congressman, other than just straight up politics. But I'm going to ask it again because I asked it during the Kavanaugh thing, and I asked this of you during Gorsuch as well. Um, you know, what happened to the advice and consent being only ferreting out whether or not the individual who has been nominated for this post is qualified for the job? Do they yeah. have the experience uh, and the judicial temperament to do the job? It's not supposed to be about their ideology. Where they sit right. on a scale is irrelevant to their qualifications for the post. That's why Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was very, very far to the left of that scale, received 97 votes uh, right. for confirmation right. Right. because that's that's the way it's supposed to be done, right? No. Well, one party is all about all about power to accomplish their radical uh, their, their radical goals. I mean, and that's the Democrats, and we crossed this bridge a long time ago with Democrats, as you point out, not with Republicans, but with Democrats. We crossed this bridge clear back with Robert Robert Bork. It's the same reason you have a party. Why is there only one political party who thinks it's okay to count ballots after the election day, even if you can't distinguish the postmark date on the envelope the ballot came into the Board of Elections with? I mean, why is there only one party who's who's pushing for that position? Because it's all about power to achieve their radical goals. And the same thing applies when you have a good person, a great scholar like like Amy Coney Barrett. The same thing is going to apply to her. They're going to attack her because it is not about the qualifications. It's not about fair play. It's not about the Constitution. It's about their radical left agenda and getting power so they can they can make their radical left agenda happen. The personal part of this, too, Congressman, last thing on the the, the um, uh, pending associate Supreme Court justice. Um, they're attacking her on her faith. They're saying that she ha- is too religious. She is too Catholic. She is too much a believer in Christianity and Catholicism. They have then taken that to her family, which is seven children strong, including two. Um, uh, I think they're Haitian, right? Two Haitian yep. Uh, yep. adopted babies. Yep. And they're literally, leftists are literally saying that is racist of her to take two brown babies and to try to indoctrinate them into white supremacy in a white family. I mean, you cannot write this stuff, Congressman. I don't care. Yeah, who, just, you, you could bring the best Hollywood screenwriters and they could never write something as, as unbelievable yeah. as that. That's how radical these people are. Giving, giving two children a wonderful home is somehow, somehow wrong. Uh, following the very first right mentioned in the First Amendment, the, practice, the ability to practice your faith the way you think the good Lord wants you to in this great country, somehow that is wrong. It, it, that shows you 
that shows you how ridiculous the left is. And we, and we could go on and on the whole, with, with them. And if you don't agree with them, you got to be silent. You're only only one side's allowed to talk in today's debate. And and oh, it's not even good enough to be silent. You're, they're not going to you're going to have to agree with their position. It's just it's how radical they are on so many things. But again, I think the American people see through this. We talk about this all the time. That American people don't like to be threatened. The American people don't like to see this 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 attack on someone who they can instinctively tell is a good person. And, and the right kind of temperament for the uh, United States Supreme Court. Yeah, I, I certainly hope that's what the American people will say and see about this. It is simply disgusting. Uh, let's talk about uh, the debate tomorrow, the first one. Joe Biden apparently is going to show up unless he comes down with a tomorrow morning uh, COVID-19 positive diagnosis and, and can skip it uh, on that basis. Look, they have set the... Um, they have set the bar very low for Joe Biden. You know, if he doesn't trip and fall and stab himself in the uh, on the way to the to the to the podium, they're going to say, "Wow, what a great job that he did." Do you expect Chris Wallace to be a fair and impartial moderator here? Do you think uh, the president is going to get a fair shake in this debate? I don't think it matters. I think that's already built into the equation. The mainstream press is never fair to to Republicans and conservatives. So I don't know that the American people will be surprised uh, when 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 uh, these debate moderators aren't fair to the president that's just par for the par for the course what i do think the american people will be reminded of in these debates is joe biden's been in office forever and what has he accomplished donald trump's been in office for three and a half years taxes cut regulations reduced economy was humming along lowest unemployment in 50 years gorsuch kavanaugh and now coney barrett on the court or headed to the court out of the Iran deal, embassy in Jerusalem, hostage open North Korea, new NAFTA agreement, peace accords in the Middle East, building the wall and rebuilding our economy. I think he'll highlight what he's done. And all of a sudden you step back and go, wow, in three and a half years compared to four and a half decades. The latest media. Uh, Joe Biden. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that I think that'll be a key theme throughout this, the, the, the remaining 36 days of this, uh, of this election and a key theme tomorrow night. Um, uh, sorry, there was a clip that just played here as I went to my next uh, story that I wanted to ask you about, yeah. and this is the New York Times little bombshell yesterday. You know, I mean, two weeks ago it was the suckers and losers yeah. live from the Atlantic, right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's like every two, three days or every week, it'll probably start to increase in frequency. There's a new blockbuster, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, story, you know, an October surprise, if you will, uh, yeah. intended to yeah. embarrass the president. Now it's two days before the debate, and the New York Times yeah. found Trump's taxes and found that he did not pay Damn. very many taxes. Taxes over the court. Yeah, right. It's uh, it's an amazing coincidence the way this works yeah, out. Uh, what, what's your response to what the Times did well, and also what the story says? Yeah, well, it's so funny, Bob, because literally as you're introducing this, 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 I was thinking the same thing you were. Wasn't it just a couple weeks ago where 15 anonymous sources said the president said this about our troops, which we all know he didn't say. And of course, or excuse me, four anonymous sources said that he said this. But there 15 you go. people who were standing with him the whole time said this is BS. But somehow that's a blockbuster story. I, I, I'm just like you. I was thinking exactly the same way. This is one of those stories. My guess is you're right. We're going to get one every couple of days now for the next uh, next five weeks. Uh, this is just how the press operates when they're trying to take down the president uh, and, and help their liberal uh, liberal friends. But no, I think this story is BS. It's, it's fake news, as the president said. Well, why won't the New York Times show show the documents to the president's lawyers? I think I think uh, the, uh, Alan Garden, uh, the president's lawyer, said, "Well, show us stuff. This is BS." So, of course, they won't, just like they couldn't produce the anonymous sources, the four anonymous sources from a few weeks ago. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, it's it's so frustrating. And again, 
I'm assuming now suddenly this blockbuster is going to be part of the debate tomorrow night. Uh, you know, just kind of combining these yeah. two things here. You know, now the president's going to have to have to answer questions about this and why wouldn't you release your own returns and blah blah blah. And the bottom line is, as my colleague Larry Elder said, is if you look through that story from the New York Times, and I did, I scanned it a little yeah. bit, maybe read yeah. some parts of it closer than others. The bottom line is, Larry said, breaking news: businessman seeks to minimize his taxes. Uh, that's it. That's the story here. <laughs> Nothing illegal. Took took advantage of tax laws, many of which were implemented by Joe Biden uh, and the Senate yeah. when he was in the Senate, and and Donald Trump yeah. used them to his advantage. It is not illegal. It's actually smart business. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I just this is the left, and uh, again, I don't think uh, I don't think the American people are, that are, are gonna. This is gonna sway one one vote uh, against the president. They know what this president has done for them. Um, what. They know this president has done what he said more than any president in our lifetime. More, more than anyone. He said he was going to do the embassy in Jerusalem. He said he was going to do it. He did it. Everyone said you could it. He said oh, we're going to build the wall. He built hundreds of miles of wall. I mean, and he said he's going to cut our taxes. He cut taxes. So I think that's what people come back to, not some bogus story in the New York Times with anonymous sources and, and a ferry to produce documents that, that undergird the story, supposedly. So uh, this, is the, this is the same old liberal press. Congressman, last thing, we have been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for John Durham to complete his investigation and to come back with the results. Bill Barr told us in the spring that it should be done by the end of summer, and we're all like, what do you mean end of summer? How about beginning of summer? Give us this, give us this in June. Yeah. And we didn't get it in June. We didn't get it in July. We didn't get it in August. And now we're at the end of September, and the word from D.C. is he is not going to present any findings because we're just 37 days away from the election. He's not going to present yeah. any findings uh, before the election because they will seem political. I feel like this is just a gross yeah. miscarriage or in, in, in a, you know, an avoidance of justice. Yeah. No, I look, it's, I'm as frustrated as anybody Particularly, you know, we get that announcement the same day we, we find out that these agents working on the case uh, knew what they were up to was BS, knew what they were doing to Mike Flynn was BS, knew that when they didn't brief the president on January 3rd as they were supposed to, uh, because they were, they were building a case, just as the president said in his tweet that day. And then, and then a couple days later, they said, oh, Trump was right. We were building the case. We weren't ready to brief him on the, on the stuff we had to go dig up and find and fabricate and, and, and when I, I massage, we'll, we'll use a nicer word, before we present it to the, to the Obama administration in that famous January 5th, 2017 meeting. So Trump was right. One of those, one of those messages, text messages said um, by one of the FBI agents. So all that happens at the same time we hear, oh, John Durham's not going to have anything here in the next, next right. five weeks. So, look, I'm as frustrated as you, but we, we just got to keep plowing ahead. Um, I've said all along that, Two things. One, we were right about everything except one point. It was worse than we thought. And and with each and yes. every week that passes by, we learn more that says what these guys did. And, and, and for the Democrats to talk about the peaceful transfer of power and this concern they have, how about the fact that when the president won, the FBI targeted him? You talk about an unpeaceful transfer of power when you got the FBI going after the guy the American people left as president, which is what they did. And, 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 and they were plotting it in the Oval Office on January 5th, 2017, just 19, excuse me, just 15 days before the president was going to be sworn in. That is not, that, that, that should be the, the focus, and then not to have the investigation in, in any way complete or any findings is so frustrating. Right. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, we put a lot of our eggs in the Horowitz basket, and that fell through. So we transferred them over to the bar basket, and that has pretty much fallen through. And now we have put the rest of them, all of the eggs were in the Durham basket, uh, as we look for justice, equal justice and application of it under the law to hold those responsible for those crimes committed against individuals in the Trump campaign, uh, to hold them accountable. And that basket has a hole in it as well. No justice before yeah. the election, and it's it's extraordinarily frustrating. Congressman Jordan, thank you for the great work that you do. We you appreciate bet. your time, sir. All right. Great. Thanks. Next, Jim Jordan care. on AM 1420, The Answer. Katrina Pearson of the Trump-Pence campaign will join us next.